0: the bible hogwarts disciples and dementors all have in common this podcast welcome to the gospel according to harry potter a podcast for potterheads jesus freaks and everyone in between my name is ashley and together we'll examine the entire harry potter series chapter by chapter through a biblical lens looking for insights into harry potter from a christian worldview and insights into real life from a wizarding worldview So, grab your favorite Harry Potter book, your go to Bible translation, and maybe a mug of warm butterbeer and get ready to explore the Wizarding World like never before. Hello and welcome back, everybody. I am Ashley the muggle behind the mic, and I am so excited to continue our journey through the Harry Potter series. Last episode, we discussed chapter one of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Boy Who Lived, and today we're diving into chapter two. But before we get started, I wanted to give you a couple of quick reminders about what's going on around here. So as I go through the recap of the chapter, you will hear the word Lumos to alert you when I'm shining a light on a biblical element in the story. I'll do my best to avoid any major Harry Potter series spoilers, but if you're following along, um, I am gonna be summarizing everything that happens in chapter two of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So make sure that you've read the chapter before listening if you wanna avoid any spoilers from this particular part of the story. Again, this is a really great opportunity to read Harry Potter for the first time. Or if you're like me and you love to reread it, then I welcome you to uh, go back through the series with me in this new and fun way. I also want to point out that I'll be discussing Christianity from a mature biblical worldview. Um, I'll include any scriptural references that I make in the show notes in case you want to dig any deeper on your own. And if you have any questions about anything I discussed today, feel free to DM me on Instagram at gospel according to Harry Potter, and I'll be happy to answer them. Also, make sure you head over to Instagram to vote for your Hogwarts house for the monthly house cup championship. On my page, you will find a pinned house cup post with the current house champs banner displayed on it. And all you have to do is like and comment on that post with your house and be sure to tag your housemates too so they can do the same. As a brand new podcast, I also really appreciate you following and leaving a friendly review if you like what you hear. And please, please share this podcast with any other Potterheads or Jesus freaks out there who you think might want to read along with us. Without further ado, let's dive into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling, Chapter 2, The Vanishing Glass. It has been 10 years now since we left Harry on his aunt and uncle's doorstep, and while Harry is still living with the Dursleys, you can't tell by looking at their house— The narrator tells us that there are pictures everywhere of their son, Dudley, but there's no evidence that Harry is also living there. He sleeps in the cupboard under the stairs, even though they have a second bedroom that Dudley uses for all of his stuff, and he is only given Dudley's hand-me-downs, which are way too big for him. He's essentially treated like a servant rather than a family member. At the start of the chapter, Harry's rudely awoken by Aunt Petunia, who interrupts him from a recurring dream that he has about a flying motorcycle. Uh, this is important. It's going to come into play later. We know something Harry doesn't, which is that this motorcycle was real. If you recall from chapter one, this is how Hagrid brought him to Number Four Privet Drive in the first place. But Harry just thinks that this is this weird dream that he has over and over. Petunia commands him to cook breakfast and to make it perfect because it is Dudley's birthday. As the narrator describes Harry's appearance, that he's small and scrawny, and he's made even more pitiful looking by the two big clothes that he's forced to wear, his lightning scar is mentioned. Uh, The book says that Harry has asked his aunt about this scar before, and she says it's from the car crash that killed his parents. And then she yells at him to not ask questions. Lumos. Asking questions. One of the really nasty things that religion will tell you is that it's not okay to ask questions. And what I mean by religion is whenever people start to get away from emphasizing the relationship that we should have with Jesus and and instead focusing on the rules that we're supposed to follow, then you're stepping more into religion, right? So religious people get really frustrated with questions because they want you to just believe because they said so. Um, and leave the rest of it alone. And that's the attitude that Petunia takes towards Harry. And it's that same attitude that some people unfortunately receive when they try to ask questions about God or questions about faith or questions about Christianity. And let me tell you right now, my friends, that is not God's heart. In the Bible, in James chapter 1 verse 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. This is one of God's amazing promises, this fact that we can ask him for wisdom and he'll give it to us without reproach. Notice that the verse says he will give wisdom generously. What does that mean? Well, that means in abundance. There's not some quota that God is waiting for you to meet where it's like, okay, you've asked enough questions, no more. It also says that he will give generously to all, which means that his wisdom is available to anybody who asks for it. You don't have to be, you know, a a rock star Christian. You don't have to be the one who goes to church every day and sits in the front pew. You don't have to be the one who has scripture memorized or who reads your Bible for an hour a day every day. God is, is making this offer to anybody who wants to ask him questions. It's available to all of us. And I think that's important because religious people will often make you feel like you have to kind of earn the right to approach God and ask him these questions. And that's just not true. The Bible's clearly saying that he will give wisdom generously to all who ask. And finally, remember that it said without reproach. And that means that he's not mad at you or annoyed with you for asking these questions. In fact, throughout Scripture, we see examples of God's people asking a lot of questions. In the Old Testament, we see Abraham and Moses, King David, Job, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. These people all had a lot of questions for God and really tough questions for God. And God answered these questions eagerly and honestly. And then later in the New Testament Gospels, we see that Jesus' disciples asked a ton of questions, and he was always patient with them, although often he would ask a rhetorical question in return to get them to think. And this is a teaching tactic that I too use with my own students. As a teacher, which is what Jesus ultimately was during his ministry, um, they actually would call him rabbi, which means teacher. I can tell you that when I'm teaching, I am never angry when students ask questions because it means that they're paying attention. It means that they're actually trying to learn and engaging with me. And I think that God has the same heart for us when we bring our questions and even our doubts to him. If we're asking questions, it means that we're engaged. It means we're paying attention. It means we're trying to wrap our heads around the concept of loving and serving an almighty God. He loves that. He loves that. I love that as a teacher. And so God loves that too. And I think people are only against questions when they have something to hide. Much like Petunia, who we know is hiding uh, the truth about Harry's past from him, but God has nothing to hide. He wants you to know him. He's inviting you to know him more. That door is always open, so feel free to ask many, many questions. Knox. After a close call in which Dudley nearly throws a tantrum over having only 37 birthday presents, the phone rings and Petunia is upset to hear that Mrs. Fig, the old lady who usually babysits Harry, can't keep him today, and so he will have to accompany the Dursleys to the zoo. So the Dursleys are really upset about this, but Harry is so excited, he usually doesn't get to go anywhere fun. But before they leave, Uncle Vernon pulls him aside to warn him about, quote, any funny business, unquote. The narrator explains that weird things seem to happen around Harry a lot. Petunia gave him a horrible haircut once, and the next day it had all grown back. She tried to force him to wear an ugly old sweater of Dudley's, and it kept shrinking until it wouldn't fit. It's like no matter how hard the Dursleys try to force Harry into their idea of what normal is, it's obvious that he just doesn't belong. They also get mad when Harry mentions anything else that doesn't behave in a normal way. For example, on the way to the zoo, Harry brings up his dream that he keeps having about the flying motorcycle, and Uncle Vernon freaks out and screams at him that motorcycles don't fly. And Harry's like, I know, (laughs) chill. (laughs) You know, it's like this funny reaction that... Uncle Vernon is so upset when he mentions anything that doesn't fit into reality and whatever he considers to be normal. The narrator mentions that the Dursleys almost act as if Harry might get, quote, dangerous ideas, unquote, from things like dreams and even from cartoons. This is just another way that they show hatred for anything that doesn't belong. Lumos. I don't belong here. In John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you do not belong to the world, but I chose you out of the world. For this reason, the world hates you. I think these verses really beautifully coincide with Harry's life in the Muggle world. He doesn't belong there. And he doesn't even know why at this point, but he feels that he doesn't fit in. See, we know that he was made to be part of a different world, and so there's always going to be this feeling of otherness when he's with the Dursleys. And he's not the only one who senses it. The muggles mistreat him because they sense it too, and they fear it. The Dursleys do whatever they can to, quote, stamp it out of him, unquote, and he just keeps feeling like something is missing. It's the same sometimes when we're living as a follower of Christ. I say follower because you can be a fan of Jesus and still fit in perfectly with the world. And there are lots and lots of fans out there who like the idea of Jesus and think he was a really great guy, but don't go so far as to actually follow him and act like him and behave like him. But when you really start following him, it means that you're going to live differently and not always fit into the world around you. And unfortunately, people might hate you for it. In fact, Jesus says that they're going to. It's what he's warning us about in these verses from John's gospel. But I think it's so comforting to know that Jesus really understands this. He gets us. We'll probably talk about this a lot in this podcast because it's it's just so amazing that we serve a God who really understands us. Guys, he knows what it's like to not fit in and he knows what it's like to be hated for being different. And this is exactly what we see with poor Harry. You know, the Dursleys don't hate him for any other reason besides the fact that he's different. His family was different. And there's something about him that they can't stand. Whenever we're not accepted because we're Christians, it's not really us that are hated, but Jesus. This is what he's telling us in scripture, that the world hated him first. And unfortunately, we are feeling the aftershock of it. Likewise, Harry feels the hatred the Dursleys and other people have toward the magical world, even when he doesn't yet know that he's part of it. He doesn't belong to the Muggle world, and so it hates him. And I don't belong to the secular world, and so sometimes it hates me. But I want us to pause and think about what we know is coming for Harry. Spoiler alert, he's a wizard. (laughs) So we know that there's this amazing new life waiting for him in the wizarding world. And sometimes I have to remind myself of what's coming for me too. I have heaven to look forward to. I have an eternity with Jesus to look forward to. And so we have that in common with Harry. We don't belong here. But there's so much better waiting ahead. Knox. At the zoo, Harry is having a great day, even though the Dursleys clearly don't want him there. He's so used to this. And this is actually something that's really sad that we see um, from his upbringing with the Dursleys is that it doesn't really bother him that they hate him so much. He's just happy to be out of the house and he even gets to have a popsicle. He gets to finish Dudley's unwanted ice cream. I mean, this is a really great day for Harry. But unfortunately, things start to go kind of sideways when they get to the reptile exhibit. Harry notices a large snake, and it seems to notice him as well. And he asks it a few questions, and the snake seems to actually understand him. It uses its tail to point at the sign and explains where it came from. But when Dudley's friend sees this, he calls Dudley over and he punches Harry out of the way, knocking him to the floor. Suddenly, the glass over the snake's tank vanishes and the snake escapes, snapping at Dudley's heels playfully as it goes. Well, later on, Harry gets into huge trouble for this, even though he can't explain how the glass vanished any more than the Muggles can. And, you know, again, we know that the the Dursleys know Harry's background. They know who his parents are. So it's interesting to think about from their point of view. They probably feel like Harry did it on purpose. So I will say I can kind of understand their reaction. Um, Harry doesn't know that he's a wizard yet, but they do. They know that he probably is going to have magic in his blood. And so I will say if... If we, if we want to show a little compassion for the Dursleys, we can here because it, it kind of looks bad, right? You set a big snake on my son, but poor Harry has no idea what's going on. And so he is locked in his cupboard without supper, which is not okay. He lays there and he thinks about his only memory of how he got his scar, which is a flash of bright green light. And Harry figures it must have been from the car crash that his aunt told him about. He's really sad about the fact that he has no other family but the Dursleys, and he thinks about how he's even hated at school because no one wants to get on Dudley's bad side, and Dudley hates Harry, so everyone else hates Harry. But he does think about how sometimes he gets the feeling that strangers out in public seem to recognize him, and weirder still, these strangers seem to like him. Lumos Recognized by Strangers In Harry Potter, we see that wizards are often recognizable because of their funny clothes or, in Harry's case, by a lightning-shaped scar on his forehead. Well, this idea got me thinking, how can you recognize a Christian? And unfortunately, the more I thought about it, I started to get a little bit uncomfortable. This is actually a really tough question for me to think about. So in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you. Love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So according to Jesus, Christians should be recognizable by our love. And I think for many, many Christians, actually, I hope for most Christians, this is true. But I'm really sorry to say that this isn't the experience that a lot of people have had. Um, actually when I was preparing to launch this podcast I shared with a lot of people on Instagram who I know are huge Harry Potter fans and one of the women I shared with a beautiful amazing member of the Pottergram family somebody who I have tons of respect for she actually reached out and congratulated me on my new adventure but shared that she isn't really comfortable listening because she and her family have been hurt by religion before and Guys, it just, it broke my heart to hear that. And unfortunately, that's not the first time that I have heard someone say something like that. Um, I hate to hear of people being hurt in the name of Jesus. My own pastor talks sometimes about something he calls church hurt. And that's when people are so badly hurt by Christians that they eventually stop going to church and sometimes are put off altogether from Jesus. So I'm gonna say here exactly what I told my Pottergram friend. I apologize on behalf of any Christians who have hurt you. That was never what Jesus meant for us to do. And it's certainly not his heart. Again, he said that people should know we are true Christians by our love. And as for me, I want to be recognizable as a Christian, not because I can quote scripture or by how often I'm seen at church or by any sort of religious behavior. I, I hate When people get caught up on the religious part, um, sometimes people will say to me, well, I'm not very religious. And I'm like, yeah, me neither. (laughs) But I love Jesus. Guys, I want people to recognize Christ in me by my love. That's what it's supposed to look like. And so what does that mean to love like Jesus? It means laying down our lives for others. And that just is simply by putting their needs before our own, loving them without judging them. It means forgiving wherever we've been wronged. It means telling people the truth gently and with kindness. And it means being gentle and humble whenever we disagree with anybody about anything. See, Harry is recognizable because he was marked with a lightning scar when his mother died for him. It's my prayer today and always that I will be recognizable as a follower of Jesus by the love he imparted to me through the scars he received when he died for me. Knox Well, that does it for this discussion of chapter two of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We leave poor Harry here in such a miserable place, feeling unwanted and unloved. And so if you're listening and you feel like Harry, like you just don't fit in, you just don't belong here, you're not loved as you are, or if you've been hurt by anybody, but especially if you've been hurt by Christians, I want to take a moment to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I lift up all listeners right now who are feeling unwanted or unloved. Jesus, you know exactly what it feels like to be cast out. You know what it feels like to be hated, to be judged. Jesus, I thank you so much for loving us enough to die for us. I thank you that your invitation is open to everybody. It's not an exclusive club that leaves anybody out. God, I thank you that you see us all equal that you love us all equally, and that we all can fit in with you. Thank you for loving us, Lord. And I pray right now for anybody listening who doesn't know or recognize your love, that they would feel it in this moment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Next episode, we're going to dive into chapter three, the letters from no one. And I'm really excited about this episode. So I hope that you will tune in with me. Uh, Any millennials out there, like me, who have ever, you know, lamented the fact that we never got our Hogwarts letter, guys, I have some really good news for you. I have what some might call almost too good to be true news. (laughs) And so I can't wait to share it with you. So make sure that you tune in for our next episode. Make sure you're following the show so that you'll know when episode three goes live because I promise you do not want to miss it. Don't forget, you can also earn house points for the monthly house cup competition on Instagram. Uh, Head on over there. Follow me at gospel according to Harry Potter. Make sure you uh, comment your house on the pinned house cup challenge post. Tag any of your housemates so they can do the same. And that's also where you can DM me, reach out to me if you have any questions or conversation. I would love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, please leave a friendly review and share this podcast with any other Potterheads in Jesus freaks who you think might enjoy as well until next time stay close to jesus and don't let the muggles get you down bye